You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. You're listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. Got a couple of in-studio guests. After I make a few announcements, I will introduce them. Look, uh, I would like to just acknowledge my father, who's deceased. His birthday is this month. And another dear friend, retired Assistant Chief Herschel Clady out of L.A. County. Uh, He died just a few months ago. Just wanted to acknowledge those two. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about my Las Vegas on the T uh, golf group. Uh, Jim Lacasse, his team members, Le- Lamar Bell and Rick Gonzalez, they hold an annual what they call a match play event. Jim came in first. Lamar came in second. I came in third. And my uncle came in fourth. And then Kenny Jones and Rick Gonzalez were tied for Fifth and sixth, but anyway, we do that annually, and I was I'm pleased at a 22 handicap to to be <laughs> coming third place. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, also, I'd like to announce that our commander Jeff Jones of American Legion Post 10 he encouraged uh, veterans to research. There's something going on, and I will get more information and share it next month. But there's something going on with Medicare that you can get some additional funds and. I don't have all the information, but he did text something out this morning, so I wanted to to just kind of acknowledge that. Uh, future shows, we're going to have uh, the president of UNLV, Dr. Whitfield. I'm working to get him on next month. Also, United States Senator Cortez Mastos, as well as United States Senator uh, Rosen. And I ran into those two over at a program that uh, Mike Flores, who was a, a guest last week, uh, he does a show, uh, well, not a show, but a welcoming, if you guys understand, welcoming of students when they start back. Oh, yeah. They give them backpacks and all sorts of things and have people from all over the community come and meet them. You can see that some of the children are excited and some of them are like, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I, you hear the chuckle. I have two in-studio guests. I have Captain uh, Toll and his wonderful wife, Annette Toll, and... Uh, I got a couple questions for these folks, and starting with you, Cap, you are a veteran of what service? A Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Yes, sir. I served the Marine Corps from 2001 to 2007. Okay. Went right. through uh, OIF 1 and 3 and served in Al-Assad for a couple of years. So what was your, your main job? Uh, primarily as a CH-46 helicopter mechanic. Helicopter. Um, so the frogs, and a lot of people see them like the fighting frogs. Right. Um, worked on those for a while, and, and then... Um, when I got out, I moved into banking and then the fire service. Okay. So. so with respect to the fire service, what, what department I work how, for, and how long? Sure. I work for the city of Richmond in Virginia, the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Been there since 2010, so 13 and, a, 13 and a half years. Okay. All right. 
and your current rank is captain. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So what, what's your duty assignment? Um, right now, I'm with Captain of Station 6, getting ready to we're getting ready to open up a couple new stations, so I'll probably so, be going on one of those. So you're out there in operations, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, before I get to your wife, and uh, I'm really excited to have her on the show as well, and these two folks are, are visiting, and I nabbed them because he wanted to visit with me, and I'm like, man, I got a show. Absolutely. You a, yes, I am. <laughs> and my wife is, oh, man, I want to get her on the show as well. <laughs> so we don't have a lot of time because we also have Chief Fernando Gray, who is a fire chief for the city of Las Vegas, he'll be our second guest on this afternoon or this morning, I should say. What am I saying? Well, everybody knows that the show is taped, so but I try to keep it relevant in terms of time, gotcha, et cetera. So tell us about your experience with EDI, if you will. Sure. Then I'm, then I'm gonna roll to your wife, and then we'll just bounce back and forth between the two of you. Absolutely. So I just completed my second year in EDI, mm -hmm. um, what we call Module 2. It has been the absolute um, joy of my career so far. So I, I liken EDI to the HBCU of Fire Service mm -hmm. uh, Officer Development, mm -hmm. the community that's created, the connections that are created have far surpassed any other training that I've done since I've been in the service in my 13 years. And I do training two, three, four times a year all across the country. The relationships my, my, me and my mod mates we continue to we talk every day Great. um as a matter of fact like you mentioned earlier when i came out here i was able to uh meet with you earlier mm -hmm. yesterday and then uh chief gray earlier today mm -hmm. and it was just by the relationships created at edi right um and that happens all the time so we, we tend to think that in our in our departments in our areas you know it's pretty much the entirety of the fire service mm -hmm. until you start to reach out and you realize that the community as, as a whole supports you uplifts you and then guides you to where you want to be whether it be in your career or your, your professional career or personal life so i've thoroughly enjoyed my experience at edi i'm looking forward to the next two uh three years that i have to complete well, as I mentioned, and EDI is sure for the Carl Holmes Executive Development Institute. You guys have heard me speak about it on a number of occasions on this program. But uh, as the CAP mentioned, it's a program, it's a leadership and management level type program. We don't do the didactics. We, we ain't pulling no holes. We ain't raising no ladders. We're going into those other things that will help you to become great leaders within your respective agency. So please that you, you feel you're getting a lot out of that. Now, as I met and talked with you, you gave me something that was very interesting. That's, you was in town with your wife, who was doing some very special work. So, Miss <laughs> Antoinette, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a certified HR professional. Mm -hmm. uh, I have been a certified HR professional for over 20 years. I'll say 25, but what I do know is that veterans and public safety uh, officers are very good mathematicians. Mm -hmm. And once I started calculating and talking about years of service, people want to calculate my age. So <laughs> I will say that I have over 25 years of experience in mm -hmm. HR. Mm -hmm. The past 20 years, uh, I have dedicated my support to HR and public safety. Mm -hmm. So we uh, were in town because I was speaking at the uh, 12th Recruitment and Retention Summit for police officers here in Las Vegas. So who put that, that particular organization or conference convention who put that together uh it's powered by the financial research associates okay. they are a for-profit a for-profit organization mm -hmm. uh, but they continuously support 
uh, police uh, and fire okay. in some instances, uh, as well as healthcare, a lot of human service organizations. Mm-hmm. And so they provide conferences and summits so that we can all, of course, network, but also gain knowledge. Uh, public safety is in its transformative state. Mm-hmm. And so what we find is the more we meet and to discuss uh, and bring our, our brains together to actually um, discover new ways of, of handling public safety concerns, uh, they have put this conference on. I think this will be the, the second one, and there's two more planned for so, the end of so this year. So these are practitioners yes. of this particular yeah. industry. So do any folks from the police agencies, fire agencies come to attend? Absolutely. The, okay. the majority of the audience. Oh, the audience. Uh, okay. mm-hmm, the majority of the audience, as well as our presenters, are also uh, police personnel. Mm-hmm. I am the former HR chief for the Richmond, Virginia uh police department. And so I started speaking at conferences back in 2012, and I established my business in 2017 and just expanded on my public speaking engagements. So people, I assume, reach out to you to get you to come to various conferences, conventions to speak in this particular Vain. Yes. Okay. Uh, what we have seen over the course of uh, the last past at least five years mm-hmm. is that uh, human resources in the public safety industry is now, of course, moving to the forefront. Uh, before, um, even when I started in policing in 2003, mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, pretty much a second line you know, individual the chief or whomever would make a decision about how they would recruit or how we would fill classes. Uh, and I actually just had to follow the orders. Uh, we started changing and recognizing that human resources and how we treat people right. internally actually determines how we treat the community. Mm-hmm. And so around 2007, I was asked to become the HR chief mm. for the Richmond Police Department. And I was introduced to community policing, mm-hmm. uh, and I fell in love with the industry, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it ever since. And I know that, as you mentioned, Ms. Tobe, when you treat yourselves internally bad, you're going to put the same approach to the people in the field. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. what I told people. And when we talk about dispatch, and I know uh, Chief uh, Gray is over... Uh, Communications. Over, over communications. Right. And and I, I had her laughing when I told her, I said, when I took over, I told those officers, do not call dispatch and be going off on them. I said, you must remember, because to me, dispatchers and medics, paramedics, they're the two most stressful jobs in the fire service. That's just my own personal opinion. Mm-hmm. And our guys used to call them and, you know, just go off, think, you know, they're nothing. First of all, they are your resource attachment. You Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. You want some more resource and you need them, that's who you're going to be talking. And you want to talk crazy to them? <laughs> not on my watch. So I... I, I said, y'all can't do that, not not while I'm in charge. It is absolutely imperative that we take care of our people from mm-hmm. top to bottom, from mm-hmm. the most minute position that we might think is most minute to the top. Mm-hmm. Community risk, risk reduction as a whole, like in policing, they call it community policing. On our side, we call it community risk reduction. Mm-hmm. And I think that is probably the most pertinent piece that we have in the fire service that we don't take advantage of because it allows us to really get to the point. It allows us to take advantage of that inherent trust that the citizens have with us. That's right. And there's no other business, no other service, no other opportunity that exists 
that, where you can go in anyone's house at any given point in time, walk out with a dead body, and they're still going to thank you for being there. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? that's inherent trust, right. and we have to capture that and hold on to that, and make sure that we nurture that and help our firefighters understand that we are Type A personalities. Oh, yeah. Because in order to do what we do, you have to have a little bit of crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I love that about us. Yeah. But you also have to understand that every time we step into somebody's home, we're there to make sure that they have a better experience than before we got there. Mm-hmm. And then understanding who they are, connecting to the human side of who they are, right. helps us to maintain our um, abilities to be able to uh, use that trust when we need it. Not just not just for response models or for responses, but for also when we have to go to city council, when we have to go to the schools, when we have to go to mm-hmm. whoever to, to gain more resources to continue to be able to do what we do. Absolutely. Because we are, we are an expensive resource. And people say, why? I say, well, we're just like the military. We prepare for what if. Something's going to happen. We do a lot of training. And people, why are you doing all this training? Because we got to be ready. We, we have to stay in the ready. And some people don't understand it. And as far as people in general, to me, if we don't learn to care about each other in that firehouse, what do you think we're going to do out in the field? Yeah. Absolutely. And I know you've experienced all sorts of stuff dealing with police. Yes, yes. <laughs> One of my, because I'm also a workshop facilitator, so mm-hmm. not only do I speak at conferences, but I actually work with jurisdictions mm-hmm. um, and agencies to help their personnel uh, understand what psychological safety means mm-hmm. in our cultures. Uh it's already tough working in public safety. It's already tough being a firefighter. It's already mm-hmm. tough being a police officer. So we must create environments in which everyone feels psychologically safe. And that means, do I feel included? Do I see myself here? Right. Um, can I learn here? Mm-hmm. You know, if I ask a question, am I going to be ridicule- ridiculed mm-hmm. if I ask that question? Yes. Um, can I make a mistake right. uh, without being, you know, embarrassed? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other part to that is, can I contribute? Can't, do my ideas provide value and right. am I treated as if they are valuable? And then the last part, of course, is can I challenge, mm-hmm. which is very difficult in that traditional environment of public safety. If you challenge the status quo, you may be reassigned right. <laughs> somewhere oh. very That's quickly, right. you yes. know. And yeah. so being psychologically safe in the culture, of course, supports how you operate out in the field Absolutely. when you're going into homes. Look, as we prepare to close, the time goes quick, but I'd like so, to hear some closing remarks from, from each of you. Closing thoughts. Um, at all times, be your best self. Relationships are everything, and I'm grateful for everyone that I have. Um, in this life, there's no point where we are we refine success on our own, mm-hmm. and we have to make sure that we take care of everyone along the way because as we grow— as, as they say in EDI, all I am out. Mm-hmm. As we grow, we lift as we climb. And I think taking care of your people, you'll always be well taken care of. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, you stole my quote, sir. <laughs> but I will always say my, my favorite quote is, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you will always be right. And so if you are in a leadership role, if mm-hmm. you are in a service role and you are of people and you decide that you want to be there for people and support them in whatever way you choose, right. um, you have to make a decision that you're going to be intentional and you're going to be a positive uh, force for their for whatever service you choose. And so he took my quote, but that's that's what I have. I'm, I consistently believe that whether we think we can do it I believe I can change public safety sure. from where I am one one agency at a time, and I'm you willing to do it. Must believe. Yes. Well, the toes, I am pleased to have had you guys on the show, and I'll get you guys back on again because I think you got a lot to offer to our community. So to you veterans out there, there's 
different avenues, be it police, fire, just in general areas of, of, of making it public human contact. If we all trust our humanity, we'll have a better society. And I want to, again, thank you guys for coming in. I'll be in touch for sure. Please give us your contact information one more time. Sure. It's Antoinette Tull, T-U-L-L. And the name of my company is Hurdle LLC. And you can check me out at www.hurtlellc.com. All right. Catch you guys on the other side with Chief Fernando Gray. Good morning once again. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. Very excited uh, to introduce the the next guest. That is Fire Chief Fernando Gray. Chief, I, you know I've been trying to get you for a while and, and was able to, through your secretary, Amy, to get you on today after a meeting that you just attended. So thank you so much for your time and effort. How's everything going for you? I'm blessed. I don't have any complaints. Uh, Thank you again for having me. Absolutely. Chief, where were you born and raised at? So uh, believe it or not, Chief, I grew up in uh, the city of Dallas, uh, but I was actually born in a community just east of Dallas Mm -hmm. uh, called Marshall, Texas. Oh, Marshall, Uh, Texas. Yes, sir. So if you're familiar with uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, absolutely, just a few miles uh, west of of Shreveport. So that's where I was born. That's where my family originated from. Yeah, Bert Washington, uh, his father's from Marshall, Texas. And in fact, I got a a uh, aunt down near her. She and her husband live in Scotts. I think it's called Scottsville. Only about 30 population of about 30 people, man. It's crazy. They're out there in in them sticks, as they call it. So uh, yes, sir. born and, and raised, born in, in, in Texas, actually, and raised in, in, in the big city of Dallas. Cool. So are, are you married with children? Yes, sir. So uh, believe it or not, I've been married for 25 years. Uh, we have three beautiful children. Cool. Uh, the oldest is actually uh, 24 years old mm-hmm. and our youngest uh, just turned 19. OK. All right. So when and where did you start your your fire service career? So I will say for me, uh, I've always wanted to be a firefighter chief. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'll say that uh, the firefighters in the city of Dallas mm-hmm. uh, were always engaged with the community. And for whatever reason, uh, that was something that left a lasting impression on me. So pretty much as soon as I graduated from college, I got on the fire department in Dallas. I was blessed enough to work for that organization for roughly about 22 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I was there, I actually uh, served as a firefighter, paramedic, an engineer, lieutenant, captain, BC, deputy chief, uh, and then also assistant chief. And when I retired from Dallas in 2017, mm-hmm. I retired as the executive assistant fire chief with responsibility over operations. So okay. it was just a really, really good opportunity for me. Uh, the department is really, really, uh, that was a really large department. So mm-hmm. we roughly had about 60 fire stations, mm-hmm. had to have about 452 people on duty every day. And again, I just really enjoyed uh, my time there. Uh, I know you might ask, well, you know, well, why did you come here? Uh, again, that's also an interesting story. And if you'd like for me to talk about it again, I, I'd love to share those details. Well, absolutely. I mean, because I know you left uh 
Dallas and went over to Aurora, California, uh, California, Colorado for, uh-huh. for, for a number of years and then here. So, yeah. Yes, so uh, I went to uh, Aurora uh, just uh, immediately after uh, retiring from Dallas mm-hmm. uh, and became the fire chief there. And I really enjoyed working in that community. Uh, again, if you've ever been to the Denver area, uh, again, one of the things that's great uh, about Aurora is the fact that it is just on the eastern border of Denver. So there's always a lot going on. Yes. Uh, the other piece about uh, Aurora that was really great and exciting for me is the amount of growth mm-hmm. uh, that that community was experiencing. So when I first got there, um, believe it or not, we had 15 fire stations. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to serve there for uh, right at five years, a little mm-hmm. bit over five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time I left there, we actually had increased our daily staffing roughly about 25%. So just a lot of growth there, uh, a lot of opportunities. And again, I just thought that was amazing. Now, the thing that was different, though, about Aurora than Dallas is just, uh, again, Aurora was more of a bedroom community, not as much uh, going on. And right. Again, that was something that really attracted me uh, to Las Vegas was mm-hmm. just the opportunity to be um, more involved with uh, community events, more mm-hmm. involved with, uh, again, just the, the hustle and bustle of, you know, the things that happen in a major and large city. Yeah, a friend of mine used to, in fact, a childhood friend, he lived in Aurora, worked for the ra- railroad. He passed away about eight years ago or so. Paul Wimbledon, still miss that brother. You know how it is some, sometimes, Chief, when you have a friend that, for example, in our case, we played tennis. I could never, ever beat that man. He'd run, mm-hmm. my, he'd run me all over the court, man, but we had a lot of fun together before he passed away. And I visited uh, Denver and Aurora because that's where he actually lived. He lived in Denver for a short period. He moved over to Aurora where he uh, was living when he passed away. But uh, that's 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 really something for folks to to understand and appreciate. It was more of a bedroom community, and you come here, it's a little bit more lively. But but tremendous growth there. We had a tremendous growth period here during my tenure. In fact, uh, Gene Campbell he reminded me of the number of, of officers that I promoted. Because and, and speaking of that, you have some openings that you're you're filling at this uh, point in time. Yes, sir. Uh, so first of all, let me just say again, uh, my condolences to you uh, about the friend that you lost again. Um, as both of us know, again, for whatever reason, some people make an impact in our lives and it's really hard to let go of that. So again, mm-hmm. I do appreciate and uh, just want to express my condolences for the loss of your friend. Uh, thank uh, you. But yeah, uh, again, we have uh, had some opportunities to promote, uh, I'll be quite honest with you, a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, here recently. Uh, and I don't know if you knew this, Chief, but I just actually hit a benchmark on my tenure here. Mm-hmm. So I just reached the one-year benchmark uh, oh, August 4th. Oh, is that uh, right? My one-year benchmark. Well, well. Congrats, so, congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So and we many still, more to go, huh? So to ab- speak. Absolutely. I hope that you do. And I hope that the the honeymoon will continue because I, yes, sir. you know, I, I, I will say this, and I, I've said openly, even when I was serving, sometimes that I'm not asking you to, to engage in this portion of the conversation, but unions, man, sometimes they can they can be the blues. And I always I used to tell union president, look, man, I want to get along. I mm-hmm. do not want to fight. 
because it's not going to do anybody any good, you or your members or myself. And I believe that there's always a way to work through any issues that you have. There's a way to get it done, but you got to be willing to come to the table and get it done. And I can tell you when I was, um, when I was, when I took over, we had a $1.5 million overtime budget. When I left, it was $10 million. But I knew me and me and Roy Lawson, who was my budget officer, Roy could count things down cheap to a nano. We knew how to fix it, but they wouldn't let us. And I'm talking about, and you know, I've said this very candidly to the elected officials who was, uh, over my bosses, of course, the city management, that we can fix this. But the union, when they lift men, everybody starts scrambling. But the bottom line is you're there to serve this community as well as the men and women. And I know you're going to be doing that to the best of your ability. But again, congrats on that that one-year anniversary. Keep it moving. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, with that being said, again, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that you know we did uh, when we first arrived is we actually put together a plan looking at the first 100 days, kind of what mm-hmm. we were going to be doing uh, from a short-term standpoint. And right. to be quite honest with you, what I did is I just made a commitment to go to each and every last one of the fire stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, did that within the first 100 days and not just go there to talk. I actually did ride-alongs at all the stations right. uh, within that first period. And again, I will say that from my perspective, I learned a lot about the organization, a lot about, you know, potential opportunities uh, for improvement. Mm -hmm. Then after being here for about 100 days, one of the things that we started to do as a team, and when I say a team, I mean our leadership team. Right. And we actually started looking at, well, how do we take some of these these gaps, some of these issues, concerns that we have, Mm -hmm. and turn them into opportunities for future success? Sure. So with that being said, one of the things we did is we did a restructure. We looked at restructuring uh, the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that reorganization, we were able to identify some additional uh, opportunities for positions. Right. So when I first got here, uh, we basically had uh, one uh, senior deputy chief, mm-hmm. a deputy chief position uh, that basically uh, was dedicated towards EMS. And then also we actually had a deputy chief position that was for operations. So right. we did some, uh, some moving and shaking, so to mm-hmm. speak. Uh, mm-hmm. We were able to increase our executive staff capacity because, again, you know, although we had two deputy chiefs, we only had three assistant chiefs. So right. Right. now we have five assistant chiefs and mm. uh, we started filling those positions. You sure have One of the things that I things. learned during that process, though, chief, mm-hmm. is the fact that there were a lot of of opportunities that, to be frank, that uh, a lot of our members were kind of, I'll just say this, kind of leery of. You know, they thought that if they came to an admin role, they hadn't really prepared themselves, Uh that they wouldn't be able to be successful. So that's been a big part of what we're trying to do right now is the people that are in these positions, we're actually trying to uh, give them the necessary support so that they can be successful. And Absolutely. not just for a short period of time, but, you know, for the duration Absolutely. of the rest of their careers, so to speak. Absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, the black firefighters, we took on the city back in the early 80s. One of the things that we wanted was an op- an officer's candidate school, which is for everybody. And yes, then, then when I took over, I know you're familiar with executive coaching. I, mm-hmm. I hired executive coaches not only for myself, 
But I started with my deputies, and before I could get down to my assistants, Gene Campbell hired his own. He said, I ain't waiting. <laughs> but, the, but the bottom line is we have to develop uh, personnel, and I like the, the idea of going inside as well as outside. If you don't have the talent, then you go outside. But uh, from all I'm hearing, you're doing a great job, brother, and I, I encourage you to continue uh, doing what you're doing, handling the business, and uh, we trust that you will be around here for a number of years. So uh, any closing remarks, particularly to any veterans that we may have out there? We may have another so, minute or so to go. Yes, sir. So a couple things I want to say is thank you uh, to all the veterans for their service. Thank you, uh, Chief Washington, for, you know, for your service, not just uh, to the armed forces, but, you know, to this city, uh, to this community as not only the fire chief, but as a firefighter here for many, many years. Again, people still talk about you. I don't know, again, if you thought that <laughs> was uh, something that was, uh, I don't know if you thought it was something that was great. I did. Is mm-hmm. that at the event uh, that we were at yesterday mm-hmm. that I didn't have to tell people who you were, right. you know, those firefighters, they knew exactly who you were. And I think that's critical to, um, to the kind of person that you are. And again, it shows that, again, you made a lasting impression on our men and women. So I, I just want to thank you. All right. I appreciate it, Chief. And we'll, we'll get you back on because I want to know about some of the other plans and goals you have. And I hope that one of them is to uh, send some of your staff to the Carl Holmes Executive Development Institute. And that's black or white, male or female. It's not to one particular group. But uh, thank you for your time. And again, this is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5. Jazz and more. We had the great chief. He's going to do good things in our community. Fernando Gray, Fire Chief, City of Las Vegas. Take care, Chief. Thank you, Chief.